Hello, this is the Parent Panel. Every week we invite one mum and one dad into the studio to share their experience and insight into parenting. Our mum today is a writer who writes saucy tales about dating after divorce. And our dad is a mindfulness coach who is at his best resting on his head. Well, sometimes you catch yourself just being bossed around. You're going, wait, wait a second. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> Neve one day took her nappy off and just rubbed it on the wall. Oh, wow. I think you're still in the trenches with your kids. I like the expression trenches. I sometimes call it the vortex. <laughs> the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Kerry Sackville is our mum. She's an author and has three children, two girls and a boy. I do. They hello. are, hello. <laughs> just, just telling you what you already know. They are 20, 18 and 11. They are. How are you, Kerry? Exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> and our dad is Grant Linden, mindfulness coach at Busy Dads. He has three boys and a girl. They are 12, 10, 4 and 3. Hi, Grant. How Hello, are you? Good. Hello. Are you exhausted? I am for many other reasons as well as parenting. <laughs> so. All right. Our topics today, can parents be their kids' friend? When is the right time to introduce a partner to your kids and the best gift your child has ever given you? First up, though, the parenting hack that works best for you. Can I play video games? Daddy, can we please? Time for Daddy TV time. And I make everyone eat Pop-Tarts for dinner. Emily Oster, a US economist, has just released a book that has left parents everywhere sighing in relief. It's called Crib Sheet, a data-driven guide to better, more relaxed parenting from birth to school. And basically in it, she analyzes data to prove that some things, I'm just using this example for no reason, like letting your kid watch TV while you're cooking dinner, will not damage your child for life. Random example. Random example. Random. Nothing to do Chef's with my never life. done that. <laughs> Ever. Exactly. Uh, so off the back of this book, I want to know, what is your most shameful parenting hack? The one that works for you but would be condemned by the parenting police. Kerry? <laughs> Well, two of my kids are slightly too old for this now, though it would probably still work. Certainly my 11-year-old is is uh, up for it. I bribe my kids regularly. I <laughs> bribe them to do all sorts of things. One of my favourite ones was when my youngest, because she's quite an energetic child, and she can be a little ebullient, little too ebullient when she hasn't burnt off enough energy. So there would be times when she was driving me completely bonkers and I would actually pay her to run up and down the stairs to burn <laughs> off some energy. But she's also very stubborn awesome. and determined. And so there were times I'd say, you know, I'll give you like 50 cents for each time you run up and down the stairs and she'd do it 40 times. So I'd be out of pocket 20 bucks. <laughs> But at least we had a peaceful evening. <laughs> I don't worry, she slept well. Slept really well. And the well. concept of earning. Yes, that's I, right. There's so, so much good in that. <laughs> I love that. What about you, Grant? Oh, you know, I've got a, a few of the usual suspects, you know, TV while I'm doing stuff and all that kind of promising sushi because sushi is like crack for kids. Isn't it? It's so weird. Yeah. They love sushi. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, most of it's full of sugar. Yeah. So, um, uh -huh. not the good stuff, just like, you know, the tin yeah. tuna sushi. Yeah, oh. yeah totally right. Okay. Sugar syrup in the rice yeah. gets them every time. But I've got one and it's, 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 you know, the, the parent shame police and possibly the real police might, <laughs> might find me for this one. But, um, I have a van and to get all four kids out of the car just to go and buy a packet of chips or some milk, 
um, it's a mission, mm. you know, especially with my little dudes who are wriggly and they want this and that. And if you put them in a shop, they'll be like, you know, I want that, I want that, I want that. You promised me that. Remember last time you promised me that yeah. and I didn't get it? I was like, wow, how did that memory just get so amazing? <laughs> anyway, Why I did put... I promise you that packet of cigarettes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what I do is I put, especially for my little guys, is I put a park out the front of the shop, windows down, and then I put the wiggles on and I'll make sure they can see me. And, and then you rush in, get I run in, get what I need to get, mm. and then come back. Can I say, I, you know, we'll probably all get in trouble for this, but I have never understood the problem with leaving your kids in the car when you have to dash in and just dash back again. Honestly, yeah. when I go to the casino just for like two hours, <laughs> I leave the kids in the car, park. When you go for a drink with your mates, yeah. Yeah. I don't even see them. By the time your calamari and chips come, they're through the first audio book. But right. um, yeah, yeah, so, and, so and, no, we're not going to tell anyone your number plates. Exactly, but, but I've had. Some, we'll just put it on the Facebook page. I've had some funny looks. I bet you when have. I come back to the van and I open up the van, and they're like crying. <laughs> Where did you go? So, but it worked. It's it's a great one that one. Well, they're safe. It, they're listening to content that they love. Mm, it's it's the Wiggles. It's you can, the how wiggles. can you dispute the Wiggles? But it's exactly. interesting because there's a um, American professor coming out from I think it's New York University. His name's Jonathan Haidt, and I just spoke to him this week, and he was talking. He wrote a book called The Coddling, um, Coddling of the American Mind. And his whole thing is that we don't allow our children independence anymore. And so many of the things that make our lives easier that you can be shamed for is about letting our children to their own devices. I mean, okay, sure, you encouraged her to run up and down the <laughs> stairs with bribes and you left them alone in a car. But, you know, that point of us saying, you know, you have something to do and just telling your kids to go out and play, mm. people would judge you for that now. And yet it's meant to be really good for our kids to absolutely do that stuff. My, my child once got stuck up a tree, but I was really happy that I'd encouraged her to be independent and go up the tree. And it gave you more time because you just <laughs> left her up there. Had to, <laughs> How long had have to I got? Ladder Five emails. <laughs> <laughs> There's an idea. People going... Climbing trees just got more get attractive. Higher, get higher. <laughs> <laughs> then you just want the fireman to come around and get Oh, yeah. Out. <laughs> that's right. Sexy fireman. All right. Well, our next topic in just a moment is can you be your kid's friend? I'm your daughter. I am not going to singles night with you. I am not one of your Greenwich Village friends. Mom, you're a college girl now and we got to make some changes. So that last bit of audio is from Life of the Party. I don't know if anyone's seen that, but it is one of the best examples of where a parent-child friendship can be both amazing and disastrous at the same mm. time. I highly recommend it. It's a very funny movie. Um, this week on Reddit, parents were debating the pros and cons of whether parents can be their child's friend. One mum said she thought it was ridiculous to say that you couldn't because it was a parent's job to be their child's first friend and the friend they always come to. Others said that a parent's role is very distinct from being a friend and can lead to lazy parenting. Grant, mm. you have four mm. children. Do you believe that a parent can also be their child's friend? This is a big one in our house because it's the, the, the line gets a bit blurred when it comes to things like my eldest and I going surfing, right? And I'll use the word mate and, and it'll, we'll be hanging like mates. Right, but when it comes to disciplining him, particularly now because he's trying on a few older behaviours, right, and then he does get the speech. You know, my job is to be your parent and not your mate. You know, and 
it might suck right now, but you're going to thank me later on so you can make, you know, healthy, wise decisions later on independently. You know, so that happens in our home a lot. I can see a lot of kind of instant alignment between my daughter and my wife, you know, that later in life will probably play out into her having to redefine the boundaries. Um, and someone else very, very close to me um, chose the mate hat for all of his parenting and it's backfired on him massively as his kids became young adults. So in what way? Like they wanted to break the rules and then he just had no boundaries? Or Yeah, there was boundaries and there was also when they were, when they were kind of having to do grown-up stuff and make grown-up decisions and, and possibly move into areas where their call and their gut judgment needed to be like bang on, it was really difficult for them to make that stuff. Like they hadn't really forged the steel, so to speak, you know. And and it's okay now, but it it, it went through a really rough phase, you know, and, and both those boys are kind of in their mid-20s now and they're fine. But I, I knew how it was incredibly confusing. And and stuff like um, like really primary um, social etiquette and manners and things like that, you know, were kind of Music. really blurry because the fart jokes and all that kind of stuff mm. were... That's what they saw. Yeah. So do you think what's missing when we talk about friendship with kids is boundaries? Are boundaries, yeah. that's the main thing that's missing yeah, well, that they miss out on? Well, you know, boundaries is the big thing, full stop, isn't it? Because, you know, the little ones are only ever looking for the line. And if you give them the line, then, you know, then they feel comfortable and safe, right? And then hopefully as they make that transition, whatever, whenever that happens for the older kids, the line, they can see the line for themselves, right? Or they can draw the line for themselves. And if you've done that, I reckon that's a successful Mm. parenting job. So, Kerry, what are your thoughts on the friendship? I have so many thoughts. One thing I want to start with is the idea that you are your child's first friend, I think, is so flawed because... No one is ever going to be a friend to you in the way that your parent is a friend because parents love their children unconditionally and friends don't. Mm. And you need to learn with friendships that you have to act in a certain way to get other people to like you, to trust you, to want to hang with you. So I think that's an odd paradigm for friendship. That's that's not what friendship is like. But I am deeply suspicious of people. It's usually women that I see, but you've mentioned one man who say they want to be their child's best friend because I think that's about the parent's need and not the child's need. It often kicks in when the kids are teenagers and the parent wants to be all chummy-chummy with them and I just think that's about the, the deep desire of the parent to be liked and to be seen as cool and to be liked by their kids' friends and really... And maybe not to let go. And not to let go. Mm. Um, that, I'm sure that's right. Same outfits. Same Oh, oh don't. God, can you imagine? <laughs> Seen that one. <laughs> and I Really? I, Mums With and teenagers. daughters. Oh, yeah, Mums and daughters. for sure. Yeah. Teenagers. Yeah. I mean, I know, when, I know when people do When the outfit's just a little bit past yeah. the wearability of the mum. Ooh. Yeah. Well, Controversial. That, yes. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. But I do, I, I think that our job is to parent our children and to, exactly what Grant said, to make sure they go out into the world as healthy adults. Um, you can, even when I'm chummy-chummy sometimes with my 11-year-old, it's hard then to slip you know, quickly back into discipline mode when she needs it, which she often does. So I've always been a parent first and we'll have moments that are that are like friends. You know, this morning I took her out for breakfast and it was lovely, mm. but I'm still the mum and I say, right, time to go to school. Mm. Um, and as your kids get older, my, my big kids are 18 and 20 and they still need parenting. 
and um, you know, my son and I can sit and have a, a chat about things like two friends would, but then he'll turn around and ask me for advice or I'll say to him, look, yeah, maybe it's a good idea if you get this done. So, no, I think it's serving the parents' needs and not the child's. Mm. The children will have friends, hopefully, yeah. if mm. they're parented well. <laughs> <laughs> it's all our fault. <laughs> all right, well, everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, moving on, um, dating someone new can be exciting and fun, but when is the right time to introduce them to your kids? That's up next on the Parent Panel. Uh, Wallace, when do you introduce us to your friend? I'd like to introduce you to my new partner. Say hi to Jake, Wendy. Kerry, a book you have contributed to Split has just been released. It's real story stories about leaving loss and new beginnings. And you've written a lot about the dating scene post-divorce. Grant, you were a single dad before you repartnered. Um, it's kind of an interesting question for me in terms of when you have kids and you start dating again. Kerry, when is the right time to introduce your new partner to your kids? And have you been through that in the mm. last five, six years? Certainly not in the last five or six months, but in the last five <laughs> or six years, yes. And I actually wrote about it in my book um, that was released last year, Out There, A Survival Guide to Dating in Midlife. I think there are two arguments for introducing a new partner to your kids sooner and later. So on the one hand, you want your new partner to see you in your natural habitat. So if you're a parent, um, you want your new partner not just to see you as this you know, person who can go out and be alone with them, but somebody who has a home and responsibilities and, and to get an understanding of what they're getting into if they if they do decide to start a relationship with you. On the other hand, you don't want your kids to see a whole procession of of men or women um, come through their parents' life. So I have had a couple of situations over the past six years where I thought I was going to be in a long-term relationship with someone and I turned out not to be. And if I'd introduced all these people to my children, then they would have been a bit confused about mummy's 75 boyfriends. <laughs> okay, that was an exaggeration. <laughs> no, but no, no, it wasn't. better than the 75-year-old boyfriend. That's true. Haven't got there yet. <laughs> so my feeling is it should be somewhere in the middle. And I think a good way to do it is if you've been dating someone for a little while and you feel this may have the possibility to, to become a, a long-term committed relationship, then introduce them as a friend. You know, bring the person around. You don't have to say, oh, this is the man mummy's sleeping with. Um, <laughs> you just say, oh, this is this is my mate Grant, and which would be odd, really, seeing as you're married <laughs> with four children. But, you know, this is my mate Grant. We're going out to a movie. Hi, kids. You know, Grant says hi, and, and that's it. And it's a nice soft way. And if Grant then runs screaming from the house, you know that, that maybe you need to <laughs> reconsider. And I wouldn't blame him. Really. <laughs> Grant, what was, it, what was it like for you when you um, decided to repartner? Like, how did you manage that with your two older boys? Yeah, I, I was super protective. You know, I, was, I mean, I, you know, I, I wasn't crazy dating, though, because, you know, it, you know, there's only a very small window in my, in my day. But... Um, because you were um, full-time parenting at that point. You I was, You weren't yeah. sharing the custody of the boys. Yep, 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 I was. And so, and I had such a good groove on too, you know, so I was very protective of what we had, you know, that 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 beautiful little bubble that we were kind of living in for a while as well, and, and the boys still talk about it very romantically. But for me, it was about, I remember a friend of ours um, sent us the email, and I've said the story so many times, sent me a little Facebook message saying, and this is about my now wife, right? saying, oh, we've got this friend who we've seen you at the markets with your boys and and you may just be friends, but we just think you guys would really get along. My response was about, 
you know, a thousand words. <laughs> She's got to be this, 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 this. So, uh, I, and I really felt that I'd scared them away. So I had a really big values check for me, you know, a checklist. And I knew straight away that when, you know, my wife and I kind of got our groove on and we started becoming, you know, started our relationship that it was the right, just my gut and my heart said it was the right time because we had gotten into the groove that was beyond, you know, kind of dating. And you There's know, a lot of grooving going on here. There is, isn't there? We're very, I feel like more we about this grooving. We're, we're very groovy, <laughs> uh, which is why our kids think we're dags. <laughs> exactly. But um, so I, I think, you know, in, to kind of be more succinct with the answer, for me it was a real kind of, it felt right, felt like the right time. Um, but, you know, Kerry speaks so well of, you know, if you think of that book that Anthony Kiedis wrote about his upbringing and stuff like that, the extreme examples. And I've got friends who have had multiple mm. unsuccessful almosts, you know, and, and with all great intention. But those children have been on the tail end of some unsavory breakups and stuff and quite a few of them, you know, and it's, and it's that's not great. Mm. You know, and it's like, oh, here's another one, here's another one. And then the child's ability to trust someone who might be a true contender mm. is compromised, you know. And so, look, most people are super protective of that process, you know, and they, they, they do do that thing of, um, you know, yes, beginnings, it's a friend, and then possibly the word special goes in front of friend. <laughs> and then, you know. A special friend. Um, yeah. The thing that kind of interests me about it is that when you um, – are dating someone new and you have already had children with a previous partner, um, there's seems to be that there is a genuine split or there has to be some kind of genuine split where you are actually seeing yourself as not separate from your family, but this is about my needs and my love. Because before that, your needs and your love hmm. were all in the partner of who or the parent of the children. Mm. And so in dating and seeing someone new, you, effectively you have to see yourself as more of an individual than you possibly have before that time. Um, and is that part of the negotiation of working out how this new person fits with your children? Because it is, like you said, um, Kerry, you have to, they have to see you in your environment, but in some ways you've met them in a new environment as well because this is a new phase of your life. I, I have received a call from one or all of my kids on pretty much every date I've ever been on. <laughs> you know, my kids live primarily with me um, and even when they're not with me, they'll call me and my youngest particularly hates it if she can't get in contact with me and I'm not going to stop her from get in contact with me. So pretty much every man I have ever dated has seen me interact with my children just from watching me on the phone. And I actually think that's really important. Mm. And I think that human beings are split into all sorts of different compartments in our general lives. I mean, yeah, I'll be different here. Well, not, not so much different, but I, I'm in one zone here when I'm talking to you guys. I'm in another zone when I'm talking to my friends. I'm in another zone when I'm on camera somewhere. I'm in, in another zone with my kids. But if any of you popped into any other area of my life, if you turned up when I was making dinner for my kids, I'd be like, hi, chef, come on in. Actually, well, it depends on how clean the house was. <laughs> I think that, There's but no judgment. Keep around the door. <laughs> so you are, you are meeting this person in a new environment, but it's still me. And I'm still, mm. I'll always be a mother. It doesn't matter if I'm you know, here or somebody somewhere else or with someone I've never met before. So mm. I feel no conflict about that. And I think it is important that men see that I will be taking calls from my kids and I can go and have a night out without them, but 
they're still there. They're in my head. And, mm. you know, the thing about dating in midlife is that it so often ends up with the two of you sharing photos of your children and talking about your kids. Mm. Uh, and, and often it's the guy in, who'll be saying, oh, do you want to see photos of my, you know, of my beautiful daughters? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, and very often I've written about this too. It's so strange. Very often men that I've dated will start actually sending me updates about their children, <laughs> like after the first date. And I think it's because it's what they used to do with their ex-wives and so that's what they feel is is appropriate and so and how hearing, oh little jimmy went to swimming today and or oh you know slept through john's, the night without yeah. a wee. <laughs> or you know <laughs> john's really anxious about his hsc exam and it's like mm, i'm not all that interested but okay good thank yeah, you thanks. can we at least have a second date yeah, before, exactly. before i take on your child's yeah. anxieties yeah. yeah or maybe not now yeah thanks <laughs> yeah Oh, it's very interesting. Look, our um, final topic in just a moment. What was the best gift your child has ever given you? Here's a present. I bought you a new Lexus. Bart, this is the greatest present I ever received. One day, our children will buy us a new Lexus. Up until that point... Uh, I have received some pretty interesting gifts from my kids that I treasure. The last one. Do on, you really? Well, do you, Shep? Do you? I, I wear them. Mm. My son made me a, a necklace this Mother's Day, which was a apparently it was a sun rising, I think, which was effectively a lump of clay on on a piece of wire with beading around it, and I, I wore that. In you have public. to wear that to a red carpet event. <laughs> I don't care. I, I really think I am. I breathe a big sigh of relief when my kids got beyond the homemade jewellery stage. That, I quite God like it though. I mean, we've got we're at the stage because our kids are five and seven, where they can spend an afternoon making a picture, and it's the proudest thing they've ever created. So we frame them and we put them on the wall. And there was a time when I used to go around the house and just be beside myself with the amount of crap that is in different places that they won't let me throw out. Mm. And then I and then I started to realize actually this is pretty cool. Like all of these pictures and as the pictures actually start looking like something um I'm really I really find it hard to throw away anything that they've used with their handprints. Oh god, I don't. Or their footprints. <laughs> I want to Queen keep them Cull forever. Oh, oh, but they, they do other stuff. These things are rare and, you know. But, I mean, my point being, sometimes they can give you some really fugly things mm. that you just want to keep forever. Mm. Grant, I'm going to start with you because okay. Kerry, I have a feeling Kerry may have done the Mari Kondo on her kids' artwork. Um, <laughs> what is no the, idea. what's your favourite thing? When they you catch you out by the bin. Why are you throwing that out? That's my beautiful painting. It's not bonfire night tonight, <laughs> Mum. Um, oh, I, I drilled into my memory banks on this one, you know, and we got a couple of really great framed ones, which happened to be the best of an era of their artistic endeavours, you know, the one that looked most like art. Um, but every one is different. You know, I've got in my studio at home, up on one of my speakers, I've still got two handmade Father's Day cards from my two eldest boys that just say, I love you, 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 all over it. When just... When you're the best dad and I love you and all that gushy stuff which just like melts, m- kills me every time I read them in a good way. 
And Augie, my three-year-old, little little August, gave me a rock the other day. And the, the look in his eye when he gave it to me, Daddy, this is for you. Like, it really meant something to him. And I've got it up on the this little thing in the in the dining room. And Winter is prolific. Uh, my daughter is prolific with her drawings and, like, with great intention, you know. Like, I've drawn this one for you, Daddy, you know. And um, so I, can't, I really – I don't have one. So uh, are you a, a hoarder one. with those – pictures yeah my wife is really good at like culling ruthlessly culling you with reckless abandon which ones to cull because then they'll oh I, there is one story I'll, I'll tell after Kerry I just want to ask you though do you ever go to your parents home and look through your old artwork shut up Kerry of course you don't <laughs> no one wants to look at that stuff but it's there uh, well, you know what I did do uh mum and dad kept all the stories I used to write as yeah, a kid and that blows mm, my mind well, that's what I, I keep all the cards I keep Anything written. I keep my kids' little diaries and journals from their trips and anything written I keep. The artwork is neither here nor there. I mean, two of my kids are actually really good artists and so I keep their beautiful artworks. But the stuff from when they were two or three, nah, nah. In the bin, in the I bin. I sent my mum a little letter. I used to send her love letters all the time Aww. and I asked her to marry me on one of them. <laughs> And she used to have it up. She used to have it up in her dress. Mummy, I love you so much. I want to marry you. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, The story I was going to tell, it wasn't about artwork, but it's a lesson in what you keep and what you throw out. So last Christmas, um, the kids gave me a necklace and it was a beaded necklace and I pulled it out and it was from um, Tree of Life and I kind of looked at it and I went... God, Daniel, were you there when they bought that? This is not me, not me at all. And um, my husband said, oh, well, I've kept the receipt so you can go back and change it. So we go uh, to a shopping centre, Tree of Life's there. I find a frock that I want and I say to the girl, the sales girl, I say, look, I'm just exchanging this, but can we just do it a bit subtly so my daughter can't see it? And it was one of those shopping centres that you can spend hours in because you can't find the way out. <laughs> so at the very every end... Shopping yeah, every shopping centre. every shopping At the very end of this trip, we're in the grocery shopping section and um, this was... I'd exchanged the necklace about an hour before that and my daughter looks up at me and she says, Mummy, why don't you ever wear that necklace we bought you for Christmas? And I shouldn't tell many people this, but I cannot lie. Oh, no. It's my really? kryptonite. I don't lie about anything, Carrie, so don't ask me any questions right now. Anyway, so I looked at her. Do I look old, do you think? <laughs> no, you don't. You don't look old. Do these jeans make me look fat? <laughs> Stop. Do now, you like me? I do like you a lot. <laughs> do you like Grant? I do like Grant. He's lovely. But the point being, she tell, she's asked me this question. And I also I did have a moment where I was like, maybe a white lie would be good here. And then I thought, no, this is a teachable moment. Oh. What am I teaching you, Grant? Um, and I said, look, honey, um, yeah, I exchanged it because I didn't think I'd wear it much. And then she proceeded to have the most heartbreaking meltdown, mm. not just a tantrum because it was I actually knew I'd done the wrong thing. And so we're walking through the shopping centre. Her oh. little heart was broken. Oh, she God. was crying and she said to me, Mummy, we spent hours trying to find the right one and I thought when you'd wear this you'd think of me and I had so much love in it and honestly I I felt like shit and so we walked back through and I'm like I've got to go back and buy that necklace (laughs) I went back in no I did I went back in and uh, the girl was lovely she even gave me a discount there was a sale on she said look take it back anyway I put it on and Daniel looked at me and he went 
feels different now, doesn't it? Oh, and I went, I'm never taking it off. <laughs> God, I, I, th- never, I thought you were going to say you walked in and they were sold out. No, no, no. This is my gift that I was going to tell you about. So for my 50th birthday, which was last year, um, the kids bought me a charm bracelet. I'm not particularly a charm bracelet person, but they put a charm on it from each of them that represents their personalities. And oh, it's just, it's beautiful. That's gorgeous. Makes up for all the shit artwork that they did for those years. <laughs> Until they got good. <laughs> but no, I actually, what, what I was also going to say is I keep, I keep cards and I think all of my kids at some point have written a poem for me and I just love those and I read them over again. And in fact, my son did one when he was very young and it was something like, he's like, mum, you're cranky in the morning and you sometimes lose your temper and you're not a very good cook, but I love you so much. And I, it was just fabulous. It was so honest because he can't lie either. <laughs> Love See it. the superpower yeah. or a, a kryptonite yeah. moment. Kryptonite. It is kryptonite. Well, uh, that was our final topic. But before I let you guys go, um, Kerry, I mentioned your latest book. It's part of. It's an anthology that mm. you've contributed to. Split. Tell us a little bit more about it. Oh, Split is a beautiful anthology uh, compiled by an author who's just amazing called Lee Kaufman. It's about it's different stories of leaving and loss. And so some of them are about relationships, others are about leaving a particular place or, or a sense of self uh, or you know, something to do with family. And I just think it's such a universal topic. You know, we've all experienced grief, uh, whether it's being pulled apart from our country of origin or a family of origin or a relationship. So my particular story was about a relationship that was important to me that ended for all sorts of reasons that I will, I have outlined in the story. It's really personal. I actually really regretted writing it. The second <laughs> after I'd, I'd press send and sent it off, I, I thought, what have I done? It's so personal. Can I put my and hand I, down the internet? And I tried to retract it and Lee was like, no, it's really wonderful. I was like, please let me take it back. But it's a wonderful book and, and I'm proud to be part of it even if I am a little bit. Agonised over that particular that story. That is the best book. I'm totally in that book <laughs> now. Aren't you, Grant? I want to read it. I just hope that the person I wrote about never stumbles upon it. <laughs> That's <laughs> my great fear mm. when I get a good script idea. Uh, mm. yes. Someone's going to literally think it's about their yep. life. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you think this song is about mm. you, isn't that like? Exactly. Uh, Grant, what's going on for you at the moment? You're back home from LA. Yep, back is home. Is there anything you can tell us about that people mm, can engage with? Nothing really is yet um, in the acting front and all that kind of bizzo, but I'm building a new studio, which is great. Uh, that's exciting for voiceover and teaching voiceover and things like that. But on the busy dad's front, um, finally I've got hours of interviews with dads about their um, – about their experience of how they carry their life before becoming a dad into the land of parenting, especially in the early days when it's just like you're in the bubble and everything's, you can't even think about all the stuff that you used to do. Um, And also the groups that I was running last year, the postpartum groups for dads, so a men's group, but particularly for dads, uh, new dads, um, they're going to start up again soon too. So Okay, and so where can people tuned. find that online? Busy Dads Facebook page, and there'll be stuff up on the um, Busy Dads, uh, the URL on the website as well. Okay, well, we'll pop those in the notes to this episode along with a link to Split. Thank you both so much for coming in. Thank you. Always a pleasure. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You can find me at Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.
You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast, hosted and written by Siobhan Hunt, produced and edited by Debbie Ning. For more information on the show or to check out other episodes with equally funny and insightful guests, you can find all you need at our website, babyology.com.au slash parentpanel. panel.